Thank you for sticking around, friends. Welcome to the After After Party with Bob Evans, a.k.a. Kevin Mitchell. Marcus Teague is here as well. Say something, Marcus. Hi, Marcus. It's Marcus Teague here again. Great. Friends, we did this thing called Hit Different, bonus episode where we ask our guests the music that hit different for them, you know, made their jaw drop to the floor when they were young, then when they were sort of in their teens, and then maybe early 20s, and maybe now, uh, not giving away your age at all, 43 is the best <laughs> age. Bob, it's a good age. How old are you, Marcus? We're around 43. Okay. <laughs> that was a little bit mysterious. Oh, I'm around 43. I guess, I guess it's 43 adjacent. <laughs> so that means you're either 42 or 44. Is that what we can glean? glean exactly. That? <laughs> yes. Mundo. When you were three, Bob, Kevin, uh, three to say five, six, seven, eight, around about, you know, super early yeah. days, do you remember seeing something on Rage? Do you remember hearing something on the radio? Tell us about it. Um, well, in those early years between three and six and seven, my memories are the uh, Kiss Dynasty album. Oh, yeah. We had it on cassette tape, actually. My older brother, Brett, who plays drums in Jebediah, specifically had it on cassette tape. Myself and my two older brothers, we all had uh, Kiss masks. Huh. I had the Peter Chris mask. We used to go into Brett's bedroom it's in our little house in, in Williton, Perth, Western Australia, very early 80s, we'd go into his bedroom, we'd put on our masks, we'd put on Dynasty, we'd grab these sort of plastic toy tennis rackets that we had, and we would do little uh, kiss concerts. In uh, we Often turn the lights off too, do it in the dark, you know, create a bit of, bit of atmosphere, <laughs> a bit of concert atmosphere. And um, whenever I hear I was made for loving you, come on, which I'm pretty sure was the first track on the record. It certainly is. You know, I only like it's funny. It's one of those because it's one of those albums that because of my listening experience as a kid, you know, I know the first song backwards, but I couldn't even tell you what the last song on the record was because we probably never made it that far. <laughs> but uh, but whenever I hear that song, it just transports me back to that time straight away of just loving the theater, the theater of Kiss. You know, as um as a kid. You know, no wonder they were so popular amongst kids. Um, it was just, it was total theatre and the characters and the face paint stuff. Uh, you know, I, I absolutely loved it. How do you think they got to you, Kevin? Do you, was it like, did someone introduce them to you? Was it the radio, TV? Yeah, Brett got the cassette tape. He must have got it for his birthday or as a Christmas present or something. I didn't own any of my own tapes at that point in time. The first tape I owned would have, come up just a little bit later than that was Michael Jackson uh, Thriller which was also you know kind of my first experience of having a, a pop like an art pop idol you know as a kid there wasn't that much music around the house you know I, I don't even remember listening to the radio I have vague memories of Countdown being on around about the time when I had to go to bed <laughs> I was just a little bit too young to kind of take part in the whole Countdown thing so there was just wasn't much music around the house. It was just that cassette tape. You know, we really, as a kid, me and my brothers, I just remember just hammering what little 
access to music. <laughs> we had whatever cassette tape or stuff we had. It hammers out of the gate. I was made for loving you straight out of the gate. It's such a perfect song. I, I DJ'd after Max Crawdaddy of the SP about a year ago, and he's playing a lot of rock and roll, and I had to come on, and I put on I Was Made For Loving You first, and he said, this is the perfect first song. <laughs> Thank you, Kiss. Hey, Ace Freely sang lead vocals on the second song on the record, 2000 Man. Do you know, Kevin, who wrote that song? Who wrote 2000 Man? Mm. No, I've got no idea. Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay, I had no idea. Mm. I had no idea. It looked like, yeah, geez. I said that I couldn't remember the last song on the record. Maybe I'd be struggling to remember most of them. <laughs> it's just all about that first song. But, you know, kids at that age, you know, after five, you know, four, four and a half minutes or whatever of um, playing to a song, you probably, you know. Attention spans are short. Totally, and Sean knows something was was another hit from that track. Uh, oh that. yes, I yeah, really like that one too. That's a yeah, that's a cracker. Fun fact: Charisma became a minor hit in Mexico. First track yeah. on, on the side too. <laughs> hey, tell us when you were a teenage boy, uh, what happened? Who'd you hear that you went, "Holy smoke bombs"? Well, you know, I'm going to be predictable here and 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 say Nirvana. I mean, I it's okay. Own it. Turn thirteen. Turn thirteen. Well, there's a there's so many that I could talk about. You know, there's UMI and Ratcat, which came before Ratcat. Obviously, still sounds so good. Ratcat. Before it was 1990. I turned thirteen. I started playing guitar. I discovered Triple J. You know, Nirvana came along, and I guess they just ignited my imagination. Like, you know, back then, before social media and, well, the internet, in fact, this band came along and there was just so much mis. I didn't know that much about them. Like, to try and find out about Nirvana, you had to put in a lot of work. Mm. You know, there wasn't really many books around, articles that you could find, magazine articles, and just, you know, looking at the CD artwork. They may as well have been aliens from outer space, you know? Mm. They just seem so, you know, for a 13-year-old kid in Perth, Western Australia, the most isolated city in the world. Mm. I guess I just got swept up. I got swept up in it. And, you know, my best mate, Chris in Jebediah, you know, who I was at school with, and, you know, he was playing guitar too. And, you know, so we were learning how to play Nirvana songs, and they were pretty easy songs to play when you're you're first learning guitar because it's punk rock music, you know. It's like power chords. You only need to know three or four of them. Of maybe maybe in Nirvana's case, you might need to know a few little kind of slightly funkier ones that if you were, say, learning the Ramones or Rat Cat, but still, they were very accessible. It All, all of those things just kind of rolled together and, and you know, I, they helped me find my identity, you know, as a, as a teenager. One of the many tragedies of Kurt Cobain ending his life, it wasn't just that we lost potentially lots of incredible music, but, you know, I think what's often underrated underlooked uh, not not written about that i've come across that much anyway is that kurt cobain was such a important and progressive rock star role model Mm, mm, true especially for teenage boys because his his politics were really progressive he railed against sexism you know he railed against the kind of i mean he, he pretty much put in the bin all overnight all of that sort of macho kind of rock and roll bullshit that we you know everyone had just been eating up he came along and he just killed it 
and he exposed it, you know, for being, you know, misogynistic and all that kind of stuff. And he was really outspoken about, you know, homophobia and all that sort of things. And as a teenage boy, he had a profound influence on not just my musical taste, but also, you know, the way that I looked at, viewed the world and the kind of human being that I connected to and that I thought that I wanted to be as well. So, so they really were just all-encompassing in, in terms of the influence they, they had on me as a teenager. Especially at that age when music like that is also giving you a license as you're exploring your own music to feel good about being angry about your feelings. Mm. Yeah. You know, there was so much substance there. It wasn't just pure anarchy, you know. It wasn't just... It was... It, it was really vulnerable. It, felt, it was. It was. It, they, you know... They really kind of brought, yeah, that vulnerability to it as well. And, and, and there was a real, there was focus and there was substance to that kind of anger and rage. It wasn't just kind of like, fuck you, mum, fuck you, dad, or like, uh, you know, just sort of rebellion for the sake of it. Yeah, there was just a lot more to it than that. And so, yeah, so, you know, I, you know, I, I, I tried to look like Kurt Cobain when I was in high school, <laughs> you know, dressed like him. I had blonde hair, so that helped. And, you know, again, the fashion was really accessible, wasn't it? Just not just musically, but fashion, the fashion was so you, you didn't need to have be rich or have rich parents or come mm. from wealth and buy all the fucking expensive shit to look like that. You just needed a pair of Converse shoes and then just any shit that you could find at an op shop. And there you go. You, you had the, the, the grunge look. It's, it's the reason why it blew up. I mean, the songs were incredible and catchy, um, but, you know, Everything about Nirvana, from my point of view, was was very accessible. By the time you got to your twenties, was was the big muff starting to get tucked up the back of the cupboard, and moving on to something else? Look, you know, by the time I got into my twenties, and <clears throat> I'd been writing songs for nearly ten years, and I was a professional musician in 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 the in in the technical sense, I started to be a lot more exploratory, I guess, with my music taste. I mean, when I was a kid in high school, listening to Nirvana. All I listened to was like guitar, rock and roll music, you know. Um, I and 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 you know it was very sort of tribal. Like you'd, um, you know, if you liked Nirvana, if you liked rock and roll, it meant that you had to fucking absolutely dislike almost everything else that mm. was going on. You know, like pop music was just absolutely, you know, the devil. But of course, you kind of you grow out of that. So, what came next? Well, I suppose I started discover. I started looking back. So, rather than just listening to music that was purely created in the time in my time, my generation, nineties alternative guitar music, I found that there was this fucking massive world of music going back decades before the nineteen nineties that uh, I knew nothing about. The only music that I I realized, you know, it was just stuff that I'd heard in passing on the radio as a kid. So I started digging back and, you know, of course, the Beatles. It was the Beatles that really... And I, I remember the epiphany, you know, because I, I didn't really... I didn't buy my first own Beatles record probably until I was about 23. I remember listening on headphones. The first one I bought was uh, Rubber Soul. And I remember going to bed at night, putting on headphones, listening to Rubber Soul on CD and having this incredible epiphany where it was like, holy shit, 
I've loved this band my whole life and I didn't even know it. Because I was hearing these songs and going, oh, shit, that's the Beatles. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so then after that, I went out and bought the next one, which I think might have been Revolver. And it was like, holy shit, it's happening again. I know so many of these songs. I had no idea. Um, and then Let It Be came next after that. And then I just, I, I, it was, I became obsessed. I, I, I bought all the records. I listened to them all the time because I, it was like this, it was this almost magical awakening of like, wow, you know, all these bits of music that I'd been, that had just been kind of seeping in for 20 years of my life. I suddenly joined the dots on all of them. And this picture was created in front of me and it was the Beatles and, and I just, I fell in love with them. There was so much to explore because they cover so much musical terrain. And of course, there's so much mythology and, 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 and then of course, you know, I, I started getting into all the John Lennon solo stuff and I almost love that as much as I love the Beatles, you know. There's also a link there because both Nirvana and Kiss were massively influenced influenced by the Beatles be struggling to find a, a you know a band that plays with a guitar post you know Beatles that wasn't influenced by the mm. Beatles you know they they created a template for for pop music I think um it wasn't discovering a band it was discovering a whole fucking world yeah completely and that's when I started doing the solo records and you know I really leaned into my Beatles uh my love of the Beatles big time with my solo stuff and have done ever since. Mm, they're the gift that keeps on giving. Jerks of Attention by Jebediah. I love the fact you name check Arches of Love and the Stone Roses in the stereo. I remember listening to that at uni going, this is so cool. He's giving a little nod. <laughs> a nod there. What's, a li- what's the music you've been listening to in the last week of your life that you're really excited about? Oh, fuck. In the last week of my life. It's the hardest question always. Just go to your uh, Spotify. It is the hardest <laughs> question. Or- well, the answer is, I, the answer yeah, is Tomorrowland, I, I, right? Okay, I'll tell you what I have been listening to. I have been listening to... I've discovered this sort of minimalist piano music, right? Philip Glass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was kind of my entry point into it. It's listening to sort of playlists on Spotify of all this um, contemporary minimalist piano kind of music. Mm. It's probably the only way I can describe it. There's, there's, I'm new to this, so there's probably a lot of vernacular that I'm that I'm missing uh, in trying to um, describe it. But yeah, Philip Glass is an artist that I've listened to a lot, talking about sort of my 20s and how, you know, exploring new music and stuff. I think I'm sort of entering another phase of that now in my 40s. Is it your jazz age? <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, I've lo- like I've, I've really loved, and something I haven't spoken about at all, but uh, and a lot of people would never guess, is that um, I have a deep love for bossa nova music and, oh. and uh, Latin jazz music and stuff, which I discovered, you know, when in my in my sort of very late twenties, early thirties, um, which I could have talked about as well. But there's something about listening to this sort of really minimalist piano music, and because it's a music that I don't, it's not part of my upbringing, so I don't necessarily understand it on a technical. It's pu- purely an emotional kind of response. I don't know what it's going to do. So it's all very quite foreign and mysterious to me. But I found that it has this really profound effect on my mood. When I start listening to it, when I come into my studio in the evening, I find I put on this music and everything that's happened during the day 
just slowly kind of just seeps out of my body. Or everything that I've been thinking about, any kind of mood, any kind of emotion, right now, it slowly just works its way out of my head and it kind of cleans the slate. And I find it incredibly refreshing, like on just on a mental and emotional level. And listening to it for about 15 minutes to half an hour just puts me this really balanced, beautiful, kind of open-minded sort of mood. And then I feel like I can pick up an instrument and start creating and doing something with a really open mind. You know, it's 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 a hard thing to um, to describe, but that's that's the best that I can do. So yeah, Philip Philip Glass. That's a, that's perfect. Yeah, and a good analogy uh, that. You know, it's a palate cleanser. When I lived in London, I um, got paid seventy pounds to t- test vanilla vanilla ice cream for four hours, and in between each serve of vanilla ice cream, they would give us uh, wafers as a palate yes. cleanser, and then boom, and then yeah. oh, that that tastes like Dairy Bell. It was a good vibe. <laughs> I don't want to um, underappreciate it, but because palate cleanser makes it sound very neutral. No, I don't know. I think it's just that thing. It just it's the, it's like the uh, I'll I'll fill I'll fill in the, the blanks for you here. It's like with meditation, your your mind is like a glass, a fill of glass, a fill of glass of water that's been shaken up. Mm, with I a, like with a, I like where this is going. Yeah, fill up glass of water with dirt at the bottom that's been shaken up, and the more you stay still and let all the dirt, all the sediment rest at the bottom again, that's what you become. You're healed. So yeah. Maybe yeah, so maybe this maybe this could be my sort of maybe this is an entry into something for more, you know. Maybe this could be the start of me exploring sort of more meditative kind of states and things like that, which I've never done before. Well you've but got a bonus track on oh, Tomorrowland called Namaste Away. <laughs> <laughs> and I finally and I've you know, and I live on the beach now, it's all coming together. It's all working. But, it's all working. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it's beautiful it's beautiful music. It it reminds me of like you know that that sort of deeply um, sentimental feeling I get when I'm watching like a foreign film, you know, and and the music is coming from some foreign place, and again, it's like it's not it's coming from somewhere else, and it's like it puts me into it's. I find it quite emotional, and um, but but in a in a really in a really beautiful in a really beautiful way, you know, it it, it yeah, it just kind of changes my my uh, it kind of. Changes the way I kind of see things or feel things, you know. It's just all right, kind of... I think I speak for Marcus and all the listeners listening. I cannot wait to listen to Philip Glass tonight. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. It's getting it's getting a little bit too off off track, maybe. But I've had this. I've had a very similar thing over the last few years, Kevin, where I've listened to ex- almost exclusively, especially at nighttime, this album by an Ethiopian nun called Emma Hoyt Segway Mariam Gubru. I'm sure that's wow, I'm sure good. I'm sure that's not this how you a, pronounce this it. This is a good Goy segue. Uh, she's she's nearly a hundred now. She's only <laughs> basically put out one record, but it's this amazing piano playing. It sounds like it was recorded on a four track or something like terribly recorded. But it's almost like each time it comes on, you know how in many cultures, uh, in religious ceremonies or, the, or or in some houses, they have a little section of the house where they go and light candles and there's like pictures yeah. pictures of, you know family members yeah. no longer with us and all that sort of stuff yeah it feels like that it feels like there's a little corner of the room or something happens in the house that opens up and somehow gives you access to this other wow. uh, other life and uh I, I wonder if maybe philip glass is doing something similar for you it certainly sounds like it i mean it makes me think of like how 
you know, so much of the music that we talk about, you know, the stuff that we hear on the radio and whatever, um, you know, often is sort of, we have this sort of passive kind of relationship with, and then we start to explore, you know, uh, because we fall in love with music, we start to explore it a bit, and then we discover, you know, rock and roll from the 60s, in my case. So like, but that's still just scratching the surface, right? Because you go beyond that, and there's just still, there's this, this world of stuff out there that isn't even that's so far away from the uh, sort of little rock and roll pop music prism that we that we exist most of our lives in, and it's just that's just the tip of the iceberg, isn't it? You know, um, when you think about the history of music and all and um, all the uh, you know music from all the different uh, corners of the world, it's just a mind-boggling amount of. And I think that's what Spotify and, and streaming services and stuff kind of introduced a lot of people to or given us access to so much more stuff than we ever have had before so um yeah I, yeah just talking about that stuff i find it really really fascinating and and uh magical and if you like kiss nirvana beatles philip glass and an ethiopian plaintive piano you can hear all of that <laughs> on bob evans tour he's going to be doing a medley quite something special i'm glad you announced it today on our show you've just played suki lounge and bridge hotel over the weekend this is recorded in the past we're now in the future you've got shows coming up in kingscliff brisbane noosaville margaret river perth in melbourne at the northwood social club and then you're doing a sick tour celebrating neil young's live russ 40th anniversary doing a few shows one at the enmore in sydney one at the palais swinging over to adelaide and also you're doing the spring loaded event as well uh victoria hastings for show november 27 that is that going around the country with uh with grinspoon magic dirt and yourself yeah yeah there's lots of each gig has got a slightly different line regurgitator doing them umi uh, custard you know it's it's like oh, yeah. uh, anybody who went anybody who remembers going to the Homebake festival in the late 90s yes. it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, a version of that we're playing up in darwin we're doing yeah victoria wa it's going to pretty much all over australia right through to the end of the year. Yeah, the easiest thing to do is just to go to uh, jebediah.net for, and that'll show, you know, where when where we are and when we are playing and all that. But um, but yeah, it's going all over the place. And, and yeah, the Bob Evans stuff, because of COVID and gigs have been postponed. So again, go to bobevans.com.au because um, gigs have been pushed back. And the, so this tour that was supposed to all, was supposed to take in all of Australia in the month of June is now in bits and pieces going right through to September. So um, have a quick little uh, little web surf. Have a squiz. It's a slow Tomorrowland degustation across the country. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but it's going to be good. Wonderful. Lots of shows. Thank you so much for joining us today, my friend, Kevin Mitchell. Thank you. Cheers. Bubbity Bob Evans and Marcus Teague. We've been Hit Different. Tell all your friends about Hit Different. Tune in, share it. Do your thing and be healed by Philip Glass. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Rock and roll. See you guys. Mwah.